0: Hey, welcome, we're in 1 John chapter four, verses one through six, the sermon titled today, you have kingdom work to do. I thought about saying, to making the title, we have kingdom work to do, but that kind of takes the sting out of the accountability. Like when we have purpose and responsibility, it keeps us in line, it keeps us doing the right stuff. So I wanna tell you, and I'm there with you, that you have kingdom work work to do. So that means your life matters. What you do matters. How you interact with people in the world matters. Your life must make a difference, especially if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have kingdom work to do. The, the heading of my Bible, my ESV Bible in 1 John 4, 1 says this, test the spirits. And so we're going to be talking about testing the spirits among a bunch of other things today. And so as we prepare our hearts for that, let's just take a moment. I feel like we just should pray real quick and before we jump into the text. And so Lord, we pray and we invite you. God, we, we need you to speak to us, to, to reveal truth to us. We invite your spirit and your word to do what it's intending wanting to do today, that it would perform its intended purpose, Lord God, that we would be built up in our most holy faith and that we'd be prepared to do what you have called us to do. We have kingdom work to do. And so Lord, help us to do that Well, we pray. Thank you for your grace in Jesus' name, amen. 1 John 4, one, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. When this was written in the first century and all the way through the 21st century, this truth in 1 John 4 has been accurate, it's true. Then and now there are false prophets in the earth. You don't have to look very far to find false prophets and false teachers in the earth. There are those false prophets who are in the church and those who are outside of the church. Those who claim to be in the church are also those who are obviously outside of the historic Orthodox Christian church. How how do we tell the difference? How do we tell the difference? We hear something, how do we know if it's true or not? Well, John helps us in 1 John 4, verse 2. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. So there's been people with the spirit of Antichrist then all the way uh, until now. In John, in 1 John uh, John is addressing some issues of his cultural day, and we've talked about this as we've studied 1 John. This truth in 1 John was written to counter the false teachings of esoteric and Gnostic theories floating in the culture. Same true then, true now. Esoteric refers to secret traditions of knowledge reserved for a few. They require an initiation to learn or to understand. Last time I read my Bible, it says, for God so loved the world... That he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There was um, misinformation floating in the culture then and floating in the culture now that says that there are secret traditions or knowledge reserved for the few. They required an initiation to learn or to understand. The gospel is for every person. It's God's desire that every person will come to faith in him. Gnostics considered material existence flawed. And so John's challenging people to believe the truth about the incarnation that Jesus came in the flesh in the form of a human body. So Gnostics obviously wanted to challenge the enemy, always wants to challenge biblical truth and revelation from scripture. So Gnostics considered material existence flawed or even or evil, and held the principal element of salvation to be direct knowledge of the hidden divinity attained via mystical or esoteric insight. So you'll see this same school of thought in the New Age or in occult groups. John's message in this chapter, then and now, is written. It's actually not just written out of John's own heart and mind, but it's actually inspired by the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, spoke to John the things that he has written in 1 John chapter 4 and in and, and all of 1 John. It's written, inspired by God to make sure that the prophets or teachers of the day then and now are tested. We have to examine what we hear in light of the full counsel of God's word. We actually need to be like the people of Berea. The Bereans received the word with all eagerness, Acts chapter 17, examining the scripture daily to see if these things were so. So as Paul and Silas preached the gospel that Jesus was born, that he died, that he resurrected, that he was here to save people from their sin, as as Paul and Silas proclaimed this truth, the Bereans examined the truth examining it in light of the scripture that they had, which was the Old Testament. And they, we need to understand that the Old Testament and the New Testament all point us, they both point us to Jesus. It's, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The, the, the word of God, the truth of God, doesn't change with the culture, it's firm. So the Bereans received the word with all eagerness. They were excited to hear the truth, but they also examine the scripture daily to see if these things were so. So they examine what Paul and Silas told them about Jesus to see if these things were true. We need to be having the same mindset. So when you show up to church here on Sunday morning, listen to what I'm saying or to what one of the other pastors or leaders are saying. Listen, examine what we say. Don't just take it on our word, but we need you to examine it to Open up the scripture and read the scripture for yourself and make sure that what we're saying from the pulpit and from classrooms is actually properly reflecting the word of God. So that's what happened here with the Bereans. They examined what Paul and Silas told them about Jesus to see if what they said was true. So they examined the claims about Christ, comparing this message that Paul and Silas were preaching to the scriptures of the Old Testament. The scripture never contradicts itself. The truth of God never contradicts itself. So open up the scripture and become familiar with the scriptures of the Old and the New Testament and watch what God will do in developing your faith as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. So one of the big assaults on the truth in John's day was Gnostic deception. It was true then, it's true now. The prophets, those who claimed to speak for God, needed to be tested then and now. The primary test when this text was written The primary test when this text was written was the incarnation of Christ. Today though, there are faith groups who would claim belief in the incarnation, but who are far from knowing God and from living as God would have them to live. And so now I'm just gonna give you some examples, locally and nationally, of some people who have gone astray. Why? Because we need to be Bereans examining what people are saying and what they're proclaiming and how, how they're teaching and, and we need to decide by the scriptures of the Old and the New Testament is this what God intended to be taught and to be affirmed so a local example of this would be St. Barnabas Episcopal Church here in Arroyo Grande the church up on the hill they affirm the Nicene Creed, the Nicene Creed, one of our historic Christian creeds actually affirms the incarnation so the Episcopal church, St. Barnabas, would affirm the Nicene Creed, which infirms the incarnation, but they have a homosexual priest leading their church. So then we need to look at the scriptures of the Old and the New Testament and decide, is what they're doing scriptural and biblical through and through? So it's more important that we uh, look at the full counsel of God's word. What did Jesus teach? What are the epistles of the early church? What was taught in the scriptures and is what's happening in these churches, is it properly reflecting that truth? So they affirm the incarnation through their belief in the Nicene Creed, but they've got a dude married to another dude leading their church. And there are plenty of churches who claim the incarnation, but whose practice and faith are far from Biblical. It used to be that you could say, well, uh, so-and-so goes to this church in town and they must be a brother or sister in the Lord. It used to be days gone by that churches would differ theologically, doctrinally over the gifts, whether they're for today or not, about women in ministry, whether that's for today, whether that's appropriate. There's, and we, but if we disagreed on those things, we could still have fellowship together. But now things that are happening within the church are blasphemous, totally contrary to God's intended purpose for his church. And so now we have to look a little deeper, not just at a person's or a church's statement of faith, but we have to look at actually how they're living out their faith in their lives as followers, proposed followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Last year, the Naples United Church of Christ hosted a drag show. Uh, 10 years ago, Five years ago, maybe, five, ten years ago, you would never hear about anything like this. But this is what we're hearing about today, and it's not just happening spottily. It's happening all over the place. The headlines read, and I just read the headlines and copied and pasted them into my message here. Florida church hosting events for kids featuring drag show and forbidden queer literature. So I thought, well, Maybe not all drag queens are queer. Safe question. Maybe they just like to dress up and entertain people in a uh, in that fashion. Then I came across this. RuPaul's Drag Race will return for season 14. With a two-part premiere on Friday, January 7th at 8 p.m., VH1 announced on Thursday a gaggle of 14 queens will vie for the grand prize, including the show's first ever heterosexual, cisgender male contestant. So apparently, it's rare to be a straight drag queen, according to RuPaul. I found this article. Last year, the United Methodist Church accepted Isaac Simmons, who regularly preaches dressed as a drag queen under the name Miss Pentecost. Miss Pentecost, put that together. I just find—I read that. I read that a couple times. I'm like, Miss Pentecost—that's a weird name. But Miss Pentecost—it's—it's blasphemous. As a candidate for ordination, uh, Miss Pentecost. Since that time, Simmons, who serves as an associate pastor at Hope United Methodist Church in Bloomington, Illinois, has challenged basic theological concepts projecting a worldview where divinity rests not in God, but in queerness. This is how far the church has drifted. And we will continue to drift if the word of God and the spirit of God is not our guide. But if we allow the culture to be our guide, the, 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 the challenge or the, the, the temptation is to soften, soften our approach so that we blend better with the culture of the world. But when we soften our approach so that we can blend better with the culture of the world, we just become like the world. We morph into the world, which is exactly what we're seeing in these churches. In a church preparing to split over LGBTQ issues, the drag queen pastor, I never thought I would see that in the same line, the drag queen pastor who embraces queer theology while barely attempting to plaster on the basic tenets of Christian theology has become a lightning rod. Surprise. Conservatives argue that Simmons' role as a celebrated figure among progressive uh, Methodists proves the church has become so radically liberal as to forswear Christ or to deny Christ. We can't actually live contrary to God and his word. We can't live contrary to what God has instructed us in his word and through his spirit and still claim to be followers of Christ. It's, 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 it's a oil and water scenario. The two cannot mix. The article goes on, Progresses promote Simmons and invite him to preach in drag as a way to challenge the conservative positions on sexuality that the denomination officially still takes. Skipping down to the last part of the article, this self-proclaimed drag evangelist, she said, God is nothing. The self-described drag evangelist repeats throughout the poem, adding, the Bible is nothing, and religion is nothing. In the end, he concludes, God is and the Bible are nothing unless we wield it into something. So this is how far we have fallen in our culture and in within the church. And so we absolutely have to t- decide as a church and as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ what we believe and where the lines are in the sand. Where will we compromise and where will we refuse to compromise? We have to take a stand on the truth. The United Methodist Church, the person that we were just reading about is the United Methodist pastor. The United Methodist Church affirms the incarnation from their statement of faith. We believe in the mystery of salvation through Jesus Christ. God became human in Jesus whose life Death and resurrection demonstrate God's redeeming love. It all sounds good until you look at the practice of the church. They also claim to believe the Bible. In their statement of faith, we believe that the Bible is the primary authority for our faith and practice. We would say the same thing. We believe the, the Bible is our primary authority for faith and practice, unless, of course, the Bible disagrees with our social principles. And that's where the two diverge for the United Methodists. Their social principles conflict with the word of God, and so they go with their culturally accepted social principles. We battle this type of behavior in our culture because it is contrary to God's design for human beings and is dangerous to our children, you don't believe that drag shows are bad for kids, I would just encourage you to do your own research about drag queens story hour in your public library. It's happening. For whatever reason, the public has decided that drag queens story hour in public libraries is perfectly okay. This is a family service Or I'd be tempted to go deeper into the perversion that is invasive in this world of drag shows and drag queens. DQ used to stand for Dairy Queen. They've hijacked our term. Now it stands for drag queen. (laughs) I wore my rainbow socks today because I want to take that back. (laughs) rainbow is God's thing. It was given as a promise and We need to stop capitulating to the culture and start standing up by grace in God's strength to do what he has called us to do. It's one thing that the world has opened her arms to this sin. It is unbelievable that the church has bought into this debauchery. The true church must Take a stand against all perversion and against all sin. So when I say the true church, I'm saying the church corporately, but the church corporately is made up the church of the church individually. Who who are you? Who, who are the believers of the Lord Jesus Christ? So you are the church, and so you have a responsibility, you have a kingdom responsibility to live out the kingdom calling upon your life. Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So this is to be our primary focus as Christian human beings in the earth, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when we die and we stand before the Lord to give an account for our lives, we're gonna have to answer the question, did you go and make disciples? Did you baptize people? Did you teach them to follow me? And I'm afraid some of us are going to get there, saved by grace, not by works. We're going to get, barely get there as, with smoke, as the scripture says, smoke coming off of us, <laughs> right? Barely getting in. But the question is, hey, did you disciple anybody? Did you make disciples? Did you lead anybody to Christ? Did you do anything with this faith that I've called you to carry forward, We have this responsibility to take a stand for the gospel, to tell people the truth about who Jesus is, speaking the truth in love. How will the world know they need a savior if they don't know that they are sinners? (laughs) The church is afraid to talk about sin. But how will the world know that they need a savior if we're not talking about sin? We are sinners saved by grace. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. How will the world know that? To borrow from Pastor Curtis's sermon last week, a quote from, uh, a quote from Bonhoeffer, Bonhoeffer's, uh, Hitler's, uh, Bonhoeffer regarding Hitler's Germany in World War II. This is what he said. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, to sit praying while Jews sit in a boxcar, in boxcars-to-death camps, and to do no, no more than pray, if we can do more than pray, is to mock God who is not fooled by our counterfeit obedience. We'd say, man, if I were there, I'd stand with Dietrich. You probably wouldn't, quite honestly, because most of the church didn't. Most of the church didn't stand with Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was in his 30s doing his most, his, his, some of his best work in his 30s, standing against the Nazis and Hitler and the regime. And mostly all by himself. And we've got issues of our own day, the issues of abortion, the issues of homosexuality and transgenderism. We, we, the culture is being eroded, and we're not doing anything about it for the most part. We're just comfortable with our heads in the sand. And I don't know how anybody can be comfortable with their head in sand, but that's... Maybe more comfortable than pulling our head out and actually doing something about what God has called us to do something about. Here's some more Dietrich Bonhoeffer quotes. He said, Being a Christian is less about cautiously avoiding sin than about courageously and actively doing God's will. So that's what Christianity is. We're so worried about avoiding sin, doing the wrong thing. Listen, if we'll get our focus off of that, and if we're focused on just doing the will of God, we will sin less and less. Because we're just focused on doing the will of God and doing what God has called us to do. That's real Christianity. Being a Christian is less about cautiously avoiding sin. We need to avoid sin. But our focus shouldn't be on sin. Our focus should be doing the will of God. Being a Christian is less about cautiously avoiding sin than about courageously and actively doing God's will. Dietrich Bonhoeffer continued, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. So it's very uncomfortable in this culture to make disciples, to tell people about Jesus and to confront the lies that they're believing. It's very uncomfortable. Becoming a Christian, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. And that's What God has called us to as believers. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have this responsibility to make disciples and it will cost you your life because people will stop liking you. You might lose your job. You will become unpopular among your friend group. You have a responsibility though to live for the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of this earth. Last quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He said, not to speak is to speak and not to act is to act. So if we refuse to speak and act, we are speaking loud and clear to the world. We absolutely have a responsibility to speak and to act. Again, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was in his 30s when he was doing some of his best work. For Mike Huckabee, Honorary honorary National Chairman of My Faith Votes, he said, Steve, I don't know Mike Huckabee. If you get on his mailing list, though, he'll call you by your first name, Richard. (laughs) (laughs) So, Steve is what he said. This has gotten completely out of control. This past week, radical trans activists stormed multiple state capitals throughout the country to push back on parental rights and common sense bans on very inappropriate behavior with kids. I won't read what was actually written. They've very quickly gone from pleas for tolerance to militant demands that we all ignore Biological truth and radically restructure our entire society to conform to their lies. With good reason, parents across America are scared to death and trying to figure out how to protect their children from this insidious agenda. He continues, right now, My Faith Votes is working to get its LGBTQ school assessment guides into the hands of parents across the country. The assessment helps parents determine whether an LGBTQ agenda is being pushed in their children's schools and how to fight back, if it is, because sunshine is the best disinfectant. So in our community, uh, just yesterday, last night, on, at the Clark Center, the campus of Lucy Marr Unified School District or we're going to high school, they had a, they had a, dare, uh, not a Dairy Queen, they had a <laughs> drag queen. There we go. I'm trying to get it back. Yeah, I'm trying to get it back. So they had a drag queen show. And so we encourage people to respectfully express our opinion and write to the school board. Now the school board said that The Clark Center operates independently, and so they don't decide who's there or who is not there, but they have a responsibility to use what is public for things that are not dangerous for kids. So we challenged it, and um, we got some positive feedback from people who agreed, and we got some negative feedback from people who disagree. My son Curtis made a video and sent it out on social media and he got some pretty harsh feedback from people in the community and from the drag queens themselves. Curtis said, I've never until now felt the hatred of the world for being a Christian. And that's gonna be the norm for us who decide to stand up for righteousness in our culture. Back to 1 John 4, 3, it says, And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming, and now is in the world already. We need to know Jesus and what he confessed if we are to recognize false prophets when we hear one. We absolutely need to be familiar, intimately familiar with the word of God, opening up the word of God, reading every verse, of every chapter, of every book, of the whole Bible if we're to understand fully what God intended for us to understand as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to be acquainted with the word of God. I ran into a guy uh, a number of weeks ago and um, known him for a long time. He's a tried and true Lutheran guy and um, his life in no way, the more I had conversation with him, in no way reflected the gospel. So I asked him, have you ever just opened up the Bible and just read the Bible? He said, no. How can we as Christians stand firm against a culture when all we're doing is taking in information from the culture and not countering it with the truth of the word of God? So this is why I'll never tire of saying we need to every day read the Bible. We need to every day be filled with the Holy Spirit, allowing God's spirit and his word to shape our understanding about who we are and about and shape us in our understanding about how to confront the culture with love, with the desire to lead them to Jesus. That is the desire. Anytime Jesus countered, encountered people who didn't believe him, his desire was to show them the way that he is the way, the truth, and the life so they might have their sins forgiven, so they might be adopted into the family of God. The only people he confronted harshly were the religious elite who were misleading people. He said, you're dead men's bones with whitewashed tombs. Confronting them so that they might awaken, awaken to the reality that they actually need Jesus and not a system of religion. So we need to know Jesus and what he confessed if we are to recognize false prophets when we hear one. We try to name them as we have by name so that we can help others with their discernment. It's not easy any longer to know who's telling the truth from the Lord and who has been deluded and confused. In 2 Peter 2.1, Peter addresses it. He said, but false prophets... Also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you then and now, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. So, false prophets and false teachers have always been present. In Acts chapter 13, verse 6, the Apostle Paul dealt with a false prophet named Bar Jesus. Let's see how the Apostle Paul dealt with this false prophet. It will give us a clue about how we must deal with false prophets. In Acts chapter 13, verses 9 through 12, it says this But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, that's key, by the way, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him, at the false prophet, at Bar Jesus, and said, You son of the devil. Then the proconsul believed. That was an official, uh, ancient Roman official. So the, the proconsul saw what he saw and he believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teachings of the Lord. We have to, we must, with the heart to reach people, confront the culture with the truth of God, not to prove that we're right, but to lead them To Jesus, we must lead people to Jesus. We have the responsibility to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You don't want to get to heaven and say, I never discipled anybody. You don't want to get to heaven and say, I never baptized anybody. You don't want to get to heaven and say, I never led somebody to Jesus. You don't want that. I'm just telling you, it's going to be a bummer for you. If you show up and you say, No, I didn't ever disciple anybody. You don't have to have everything figured out to disciple. What you need to do is take what you understand from the scripture and the the information that you've uh, developed within your own heart and mind. You need to begin to share that with somebody who's younger in the faith. Remember when I'm 18, 19 years old, I was discipling people, not because I had it figured out. I still don't have it figured out, but I was trying to disciple, just Out of wanting to be obedient, I was just trying to disciple, and so I stumbled my way through. And and in a sense, we're always just kind of stumbling our way through. Everything that God calls us to do requires that we be humble and filled with the Holy Spirit, doing obediently what he's called us to do. We don't have to have arrived, otherwise none of us would be qualified, but we just need to obediently do what God has called us to do. So don't be afraid, but just move forward with obedience back to 1 John 4 little children you are from God and overcome and have overcome them you've overcome the world for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world so let me just encourage you you're not at it alone by yourself first of all most importantly you've got the holy spirit living in you God's given us a down payment on better things to come with the presence of the holy spirit and so we've got the power of God, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, the power of God within us to help us to do what God has called us to do. And then you've got one another. You've got the body of Christ who wants to stand with you. You've got the leadership of the church who wants to stand with you to help you do what God has called you to do. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Sometimes we're intimidated by the world, we're over, overcome by the world, we're frustrated by the world. We're fearful by the world, but we need to remember Paul, as he was filled with the Holy Spirit, was able to confront the false prophets with love, in grace, with truth. They all need to go together, but we must, as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, confront the false teaching of our day. Little children, you are from God. You need to remember that. You are believers in God, you're from God, and so God the Holy Spirit has filled you to empower you to do what God has asked you to do. So you can do it by God's grace, and you must do it by God's grace. It's not actually optional. Verse five, they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. So the world will always listen to the world. We need to be careful that we're not listening to the world. He goes on in verse six, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Speaking about the writers of the New Testament, the writers of the Old Testament, those who are writing the scripture, those who believe in God actually listen to the writers of scripture who wrote under the inspiration of God. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us and whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So as you examine your own life, you need to look at your own life and say, am I listening more to the world or to God? Who's my priority, my information? My, what's my informational priority? Am I listening to the world and allowing that to shape me? Or am I listening to the word of God and the truth of God and allowing that to shape me? So some of us need to repent because we're, we're saying we're Christians, but we're allowing the world to influence us more than we're allowing God and his word to influence us. So some of us need need to repent and others need to repent and say, God, I I haven't been about my father's business. I've got kingdom work to do. I'm realizing that more and more, but I haven't been doing it. I haven't made disciples. I haven't baptized people. I haven't led anybody to Jesus. And so some of us need to repent of that and say, God, I'm repenting. What does it mean to repent? It means to change your mind and actually move the opposite direction. So Lord, I'm repenting. I'm changing my mind about how I've been living my life. I want to live my life for your kingdom, not for this earth and its kingdom. We have kingdom work to do. You have kingdom work to do. So here are all three points for the message. Usually I scatter the message with points. Here are all three points of the message right now. Number one, false teachers and false prophets are present in our world. After the message today, you'd say, duh. Obviously, right? <laughs> right? Obviously, from the first century all the way, going back uh, before the first century, there are false teachers and false prophets in the world uh, currently, presently. Number two, you and I have the res- you and I have the responsibility to discern false teachers and false prophets. So we have the responsibility. It's not an option. Not if we're going to thrive as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not if we're going to do what God has called us to do in this world. Not if we're to fulfill our kingdom work and do what God has called us to do. We actually have the responsibility to discern false teachers and false prophets. Number three, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Bible is your source and resource for discerning truth from error. You will never begin to discern truth from error if you're not opening up the word on a regular basis. I say this a lot, if we think back to the Israelites traveling through the wilderness in their 40 year wandering, God gave them manna every day, but they weren't supposed to keep any out of fear that they wouldn't have any for the next day. Of course the Israelites did what they weren't supposed to do like we all do and they kept some manna, but what did it do? It turned to maggots, right? It turned to worms and it was stinky, right? So God said, what are you doing? The intention is that you would get up every day and by faith believe that you're gonna have manna and by faith believe that you will have the sustenance that you need. And so the same is true with the word of God. We need the daily manna of God's word. It's not enough that we read five or 10 chapters today hoping that will carry us for the week. It's not gonna turn to worms, but it's not gonna be helpful. I wake up to a brand new set of problems every single day brand new set of tests, brand new set of temptations every single day. And so every single day I need to open up the word of God. And so take every day and read two or three or four chapters of the Bible. Make it a regular part of your rhythm and routine as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then throughout the day say, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you just fill me for this conversation that I'm going to have, for this Situation that I'm up against, for this job that I'm in, for this family scenario that I'm in, would you just fill me with your Holy Spirit? Because I want to properly reflect and represent you. So, greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. We need to believe that. We have kingdom work to do. So, with that, I'm just going to invite you to stand up and we're going to pray and invite the worship team up. So, Lord, as we pray, we need to do some work with you, some business with you before we wrap up this service with some more worship. And so, Lord, help us to do business with you. I think whenever a sermon is preached, a biblical sermon, whenever it's preached, I think the Holy Spirit is working and there's conviction and there's encouragement and there's help and there's grace and all of those things. So, Lord, where there's been a challenge to the way we're living, I pray that we would repent. God, I pray that we wouldn't be living for this world focused on our portfolios and our retirement and our next experience in this life we have all eternity to enjoy what you have for us lord i pray that in the here and now we'd be focused on you focused on the kingdom responsibility that is before us god that we'd make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit that we would like peter we'd like paul we'd be like john that we would stand firm in the culture effectively effectively being salt and light so that people might know the truth and the truth might set them free thank you lord if you're here today and you've heard this message and you've never given your life to jesus you've never actually entered the family of god i want to say that you're welcome you're welcome to come into the family of god god loves you we're saved by grace through faith Ephesians 2. We're welcomed into the family of God because of the grace of God. He adopts us because he is good, not because we are good. But I want to tell you what follows coming into the family of God, just so you're not surprised. You have kingdom work to do. As you come into the family of God, God equips and releases you to do the work that you were created to do, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. So as you allow the grace of God to cover your life and as you get adopted into the family of God and as you get baptized and as you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are given a responsibility. It's a kingdom responsibility. It's a wonderful responsibility that's only accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. So if that's you, you just say, Lord, I, I need you. I need you to forgive my sin. I need you to come into my life. I need you to lead me. I need you to help and guide me. God, I give my life to you and I will follow you all the days of my life. My life will be different today because I've given my life to you and I've welcomed you into mine. So if you've made that decision to trust Jesus, God bless you, and he's welcomed you into his family. Welcome to the team, but also you've been enlisted into the army of God. So be excited about that, about what God wants you to do with the rest of your life. You have purpose in Jesus. You have purpose in Jesus. You're important in the kingdom, to the kingdom work that God has called you to. If you're here today and you just need to repent, please do so, do so. God's grace is sufficient. He wants you to hear the truth and be set free by the truth and then have your life aligned in that truth. So do that. Lord, as we worship, help us to worship in spirit and in truth. Help us not to run from our responsibilities and our new life in you, but help us to be embraced by it and embrace it, we pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.